Well, 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 Kevin McCarthy was set to become the new Speaker of the House today, or so he thought, but lost the vote a historic three times as America First congressman pushed back against his soft leadership. On top of that, an NFL player collapsed in the field last night, exposing to everyone the one question that is still absolutely off limits to the public. It's been a very interesting day, to say the least, as Congress clashes and Americans continue to ask the hard questions in their fight for truth. Welcome back to another episode of Rapid Fire. My name is Savannah Hernandez, living in the America where we currently don't have a Speaker of the House. It's not this guy over here with the uh, Ukraine flag lapel pin, to be quite honest with you. If you've ever worn just primarily the flag of a foreign country that you do not represent, I don't respect you, especially if you are in our Congress, especially if you are running any type of institution or in a leadership position uh, dictating where our country goes. I don't like seeing it. That's my thoughts tonight. We're going to delve into all of it today on this episode because today was very interesting. And, you know, I've been talking to you guys as well about how I felt a little bit blackpilled about the state of politics. But to be quite honest with you, seeing Lauren Boebert, Matt Gates, um, all of these America First candidates coming forward and really pushing back against the establishment was the exact spark of hope and inspiration that I needed to get back to the show. So thank you guys so much for joining me for another episode. Before we get into all of this, just amazing news, truly a, an incredible day to watch. Remember that this show is sponsored by you and some of the best ways you can do that is by number one, going to subscribe star and subscribing to my page. The link is down below. Now, the cool thing about this is I post behind the scenes stuff on there. I posted my new year's resolutions. I've uh, been focusing in on like a, a self-help program. I'm doing a lot of posts about that, kind of more health and wellness stuff. I also post as well my next trips. Uh, I get direct messaging with you guys. Um, one of the perks of joining is you have direct messaging with me. So I talk with a lot of you guys directly. It's a lot of fun. That is one really great way to support the show. Another way is, of course, by going to oldcountrysoap.com and using coupon code SAV for 20% off of your order. Now, you guys know I don't hawk products to you guys that I do not use myself. I use this soap every single day and it is absolutely incredible. I'm not joking with you guys when I tell you my favorite part about going on trips to San Francisco, Portland, Los Angeles, the Bronx is getting to come home and use an incredible bar of old country soap. Okay. It smells amazing. It feels great on my skin. It comes in a sisal fiber soap bag that will exfoliate all the dead skin cells. So you're able to really absorb the bentonite clay and the tallow that is in each and every single one of these American made bars made the Amish way on a farm in South Dakota. This is a product that will not disappoint. I know a lot of you guys bought this the year supply, even for your family members, your friends, for yourself. And I've been talking to you guys on all platforms and you've told me you love the product. So go check out oldcountrysoap.com. Coupon code SAV, S-A-V for 20% off of your order. If you are a podcast listener, that's old spelled O-L-D-E, countrysoap.com. Go and check it out. I promise you, you are not going to regret it. And remember, if you want skin like SAVs, you have to buy the best product that money can buy. And I promise you, it really is old country soap. So go and check that out. Now let's go ahead and get into what happened today. Okay. Because we were all expecting Kevin McCarthy to become the new speaker of the house without any pushback, because that seems to be what happens every single time uh, we are set to elect a new leader uh, on the Republican or the Democrat side. 
Now, a lot of constituents, a lot of Americans have felt very, very disenfranchised with the state of our country and with where politics is currently heading, right? We're not happy with the Republican Party because we feel like they're weak, they're spineless, and they might as well be Democrats at this point. Well, so we thought. 2023 is off to a fun start as Kevin McCarthy, for the first time since I believe the 1940s, I I believe I have the tweets, so I'll correct myself here in a moment, uh, but for the first time in decades, did not immediately get the vote for speakership. And he lost not once, not twice, but three times. He had the entire Congress revote three times, or the entire House revote three times because he had to get a majority to become speaker. And he lost all three times. Uh, per my good friend ALX on Twitter, he says, breaking the House adjourns until 12 p.m. Eastern tomorrow without a speaker after Kevin McCarthy fails to garner enough support to be confirmed in a third round of voting. This was today around uh, 4, almost 5 p.m. Central Time. So it was this entire day-long issue. And it's interesting, too, because right now we're all aware of the Freedom Caucus, the America First Caucus that's made up of Marjorie Taylor Greene, Matt Gaetz, Lauren Boebert, amongst many others, right? And this is basically a group of congressmen who have said, "Okay, we don't like what is happening in establishment Washington. We don't like what's happening with the state of our country. We don't like that both Republicans and Democrats behind the scenes are secretly little best friends that are all profiting and uh, pocketing all of the taxpayer dollars that are being thrown into who knows where. Uh, I don't know. I think Matt Gates said it best because after the House adjourned earlier, um, he said, you know, the biggest loser today was Vladimir Zelensky, because now the House is not going to be able to vote on whether or not we send more billions to Ukraine. And the biggest winner is the American taxpayer, because if congressmen aren't sworn in, then they can't be paid. And we don't have any Republican congressmen that were sworn in today because you have to have a speaker of the House first. I believe that's how that works. So that is a current update on all of that, um, to which I responded, what happened to McCarthy today is a good thing. Our politicians today are entitled and think they are owed roles or positions that they haven't earned. America First is here, and I'm proud of every person who stood in defiance of the establishment today. This is my take on what happened, because to be quite honest with you, Kevin McCarthy has a horrific track record. Marjorie Taylor Greene has gone to bat for him and said that we need to have a united party. We need to just, you know, put Kevin McCarthy into that leadership role. No questions asked so we can start uh, taking care of other business as the House because the Republicans have control of the House, but not the Senate. Now, we're going to listen to some of the reasoning because it was 20 Republicans that voted against Kevin McCarthy today. And we're going to understand how they came to that conclusion. Now, a lot of people as well are trying to say, oh, it's 20 Republicans that are stalling the entire nation. The entire nation doesn't want this. And it's 20 Republicans that are holding America hostage. Incorrect. Now, this is a poll that I found on Twitter from John Rich, who, you know, is the American flag in bio bio, seems like a very right wing type guy. Right. So he puts out this, this poll that says, who do you support for Speaker of the House? Jim Jordan or Kevin McCarthy. Now, the majority of people and a lot of those who have voted against Kevin McCarthy have voiced that they want Jim Jordan in this position. Jim Jordan himself has already come forward and said, no, he doesn't want it. But just to give you guys an example, 
of how it isn't just 20 Republicans that are holding the nation hostage as the left wing or other Republicans would like you to think. This poll right here has almost 100,000 votes. 92% of people voted for Jim Jordan over Kevin McCarthy. So there's an extra extra 100,000 people. Uh, obviously, this is a very small sample size, but I wanted to just give you guys a little bit more evidence that it's not just 20 Republicans who went rogue and decided to push back against Kevin McCarthy for no apparent reason. No, the congressmen and women who pushed back today are the American first candidates that have been elected and reelected because unlike the swamp establishment rhinos and Democrats in office right now who do not speak for their constituents, the Republicans who push back do. Now, I'm going to play a clip from Matt Gates. He put this out because this morning uh, before the first vote, he and Lauren Boebert immediately voiced their opinion as to how they will not be voting for Kevin McCarthy. And then Matt Gates put this video out shortly after. Let's listen to a little bit of why Kevin McCarthy might not be the best for this leadership role. Let's listen. Kevin McCarthy of California told his close friend Liz Cheney that he hoped the social media companies would censor more conservative Republicans in the Congress. Barry Moore has said some, some things today even that we should look at, honestly. What did Barry say today? He said, wow, we have more arrests for stealing a podium on January 6th than we do for stealing an election on the Third Atlanta, Philadelphia, Detroit would be places I recommend you start. There's video evidence of these crimes as well. Hashtag election integrity matters. Oh, man. Can't they take part of their accounts McCarthy wanted the tech oligarchs to do more, to force disobedient lawmakers off the internet. That is offensive to me. Kevin McCarthy doesn't have 218 votes to be speaker. We need to turn the page. We need to get away from the corrupt system that puts the lobbyists and special interests in charge. And we need a fighting Republican majority. We don't need someone whose first instinct is to back Liz Cheney, attack America First Republicans on the campaign trail, and suggest that Donald Trump's path is one of resignation rather than resurgence. Oh, but we're not supposed to say all of that. Now, keep in mind that the midterms were not as successful as many people would have liked them to be, specifically on the right. And what did the media and what did rhino Republicans do? They immediately tried to blame Donald Trump while simultaneously distracting from the fact that both Mitch McConnell and Kevin McCarthy diverted funds away from America First candidates that could have legitimately won their races uh, and instead basically like pit Republican against Republican. It was a whole thing. I've been over it in other episodes. Go back and watch if you want more in-depth discussion on, on that, right? So there was a little excerpt as to why Kevin McCarthy has been soft previously. And uh, we'll go into this Gateway Pundit article that I've also um, touched on before. 10 reasons why Kevin McCarthy should never be Republican Speaker of the House. Uh, starting off with number one, Kevin McCarthy says that they're not going to impeach Joe Biden. And he basically has the standpoint that, well, the Democrats spent so much time impeaching Donald Trump over his four years in president. So we're not going to do the same thing for Joe Biden. Now, the grounds that they impeached Donald Trump on were absolutely ridiculous and everybody knows it. There are legitimate grounds to impeach Joe Biden. Number one, the mental state, the mental capacity that he is currently in. He is not fully there. He is not capable of running a country. And we have seen that time and time again. That's why they had to install John Fetterman. So that way, uh, Joe Biden isn't the most dementia ridden one in the room. Now, that's number one from this list, okay? 
we can keep going. Kevin McCarthy recommended that President Trump resign after January 6th, and then he lied about it, everybody. McCarthy spent millions to defeat pro-Trump Republicans. Uh, again, this is what I was referencing. GOP challenger Joe Kent, minority leader Kevin McCarthy, and GOP establishment spent $4.5 million on a smear campaign to defeat him in the last 12 days of his election, and he didn't get that seat, by the way. Uh, McCarthy was booed at a Trump rally, apparently. You know what? Actually, yeah, that is a very good example uh, as to how the American people actually feel about Kevin McCarthy. And these 20 Republicans are standing up for their constituents um, who, again, do not like him as a leader. Uh, five, Kevin McCarthy following the 2020 election. I don't think anybody is questioning the legitimacy of the election. It's over with. Uh, he thinks that if you're questioning the election, that if you were involved January 6th, you need to be silenced and you need to be censored. McCarthy pushed for rhino Tim Scott for president. McCarthy blamed President Trump for the January 6th riot. He voted with Democrats to outsource U.S. jobs. He helped sabotage MAGA favorite Madison Cawthorn's re-election effort. Again, this is a list from the Gateway Pundit that they compiled. Uh, but again, going into as well, Matt Gates and all of these Republicans who came forward and pushed back, here's more reasoning behind why Kevin McCarthy is not only a bad leader, but I want to exemplify for you guys as well. Actually, I don't actually have to do that. Kevin McCarthy did a great job. The fact that he continued to go back and make Republicans vote again and again and again is the perfect example of how he's a weak leader. Byron Rogers explained this beautifully, and we'll get to that in a moment. But here is Matt Gates again, explaining to you the reality of who Kevin McCarthy is and why the American people do not want him as a leader. If we put Kevin McCarthy in, we might as well put a Democrat in because he will capitulate to the radical left wing. So what's the purpose of having somebody like that in power? Let's listen. But if you want to drain the swamp, you cannot put the biggest alligator in charge of the exercise. We offered Kevin McCarthy terms last evening that he rejected. We sought a vote in the first quarter of the 118th Congress on term limits. He refused. We wanted a budget from the Republican Study Committee that balances on the floor in the first quarter. He refused. We wanted the border plan that the Texas delegation put together on the floor. He refused. And it is true that we struggle with trust with Mr. McCarthy because time and again, his viewpoints, his positions, they shift like sands underneath you. Even Mc Kevin McCarthy's own mentor recently said that the lies always change. So there you guys go. Some more reasoning and reality behind who Kevin McCarthy is. Also, I don't think I need a better example than this one. Uh, Anna Paulina Luna, who is a new congresswoman for Florida, says that she's been threatened over her stance on McCarthy and several other members that came forward and voted against McCarthy has said the same thing. They were threatened to be taken off of their specific committees. They have been threatened um, to be stripped from their roles and positions. And uh, Anna Polina didn't necessarily say, I, I don't think she said who threatened her here. Uh, but on top of being threatened for pushing back against the establishment by standing up for what her constituents want, because keep in mind, that is why she's voting the way that she is, because the American people are tired of entitled politicians who think that just because they've been in Congress for decades at this point, by the way, we need term limits, that they deserve a specific role. The American people are tired of these spineless and weak leaders in the Republican Party who are not actually going to stand up and fight. They want 
want somebody with the, the, the energy of Donald Trump 2016 to 2020, okay? Not modern day Donald Trump who's toned down and, uh, you know, oh, like this and that. Like he's just a lot calmer. And he, he doesn't want to be controversial. No, the American people, why was Donald Trump successful from 2016 to 2020? Because he had the energy, he had the pizzazz, he had the finesse, he had the razzle-dazzle, if you will, okay? He was not afraid to hurt people's feelings. He was pushing back against the media. He was pushing back against the establishment. And that is what the people loved. They wanted a fighter. They wanted somebody who would stand up and push back. And, uh, Anna Polina Luna is one of the people doing that. Matt Gates, Lauren Boebert, uh, Chip Roy of Texas. Very incredible that these people are pushing back against uh, an entire organization, a criminal organization. I'm just going to be quite honest with you, okay? If we look at Washington, D.C. and the intermac nations of what goes on in D.C., in our Congress, in our Senate, it's disgusting, okay? So the reason why these members are being threatened is because they're pushing back and they're trying to make legitimate change. And I was talking to my dad about this and I was asking his two cents on it. And he was like, well, he basically gave me the same argument that Marjorie Taylor Greene is trying to make right now in saying that, well, all of the infighting is holding up potential progress that we could make. I really liked Chip Roy's response to the progress that Congress has made and granted, you know, we have a, a Republican stronghold now in, in the House, not in the Senate, just in the House. Uh, but Chip Roy does make a very good point as to why he is well uh, defected, detracted from voting for Kevin McCarthy. That's the Senate. And first of all, I, don't, I wouldn't say I've been leading the charge against McCarthy. I've been leading the charge for my constituents who are tired of the swamp, continuing to do what the swamp does. And we saw it on full display with a $1.7 trillion omnibus bill. Now, my friend Jim Jordan, who just nominated Kevin McCarthy, who I, who I also consider a friend, uh, said that, hey, we need to put the people in place to stop bills like that. But that's the problem. Everybody's out there saying, oh, we got everything we wanted. We got rules changes. Let me tell you something. We have no way to enforce those rules changes. The Speaker-elect has a history of voting with Democrats and voting with the minority against the majority Republicans over the last decade. He's been Speaker or in the leadership of Republicans since 2009. During that time, the debt has gone from $11 trillion to $32 trillion. In other words, we want to be able to have a check against the swamp. We made good faith, good faith changes. We worked hard to get them, but we needed a little bit more in order to assure that we have the power to actually stop the swamp from rolling over the American people who are sick of bills that spend money we don't have, are sick of open borders, are sick of empowering the bureaucrats to go after them, and we're sick and tired of a Congress that's not doing its job. Absolutely. And um, who has our Congress been for the past couple of years. Um, yeah, Nancy Pelosi and Kamala Harris, this happened over winter break where they held up the Ukraine flag as Zelensky came for a visit. Keep in mind too, this looks like the same area that the January Sixers were in, where we were told that this is the most holy and sanctified place in all of Washington, D.C., not to be desecrated. This looks like desecration to me. Holding up a foreign country's flag, it's absolutely ridiculous, ridiculous, to be quite honest with you. This was our Congress. This is what they were focused in on, on virtue signaling to other countries, not actually focusing in on the issues that are hitting us here at home. And that is why people want Jim Jordan to be Speaker of the House and not Kevin McCarthy, just as Chip Roy talked about. Kevin McCarthy has been a weak leader. He has already been in a leadership role. And again, what he showed us today is that 
He is not a good leader because if he was, he would not have made uh, House Republicans go and vote three times. Byron Rogers explains it very well. Let's go ahead and uh, listen to his take on, again, how Kevin McCarthy exposed himself as a bad leader just today. Why did you vote for Jim Jordan? I thought you were for Kevin McCarthy. Uh, well, look, I voted for Kevin on the first two ballots, and it's just not clear that he has the votes. It's pretty clear now, and it's getting tougher in that room. Look, do I think Kevin has an ability to maybe get there? Yeah, but there's a lot of work to be done. And I think just if you're going to ask members to vote over and over and over again to try to wear people down, I think it actually has the opposite effect. My view has been for us to call a recess, uh, get in a room, figure it out, uh, you know, have those conversations and then go back to the floor. You know, when we know we have somebody prepared to get 218, but it's not it's not Kevin McCarthy right now. And quite frankly, it doesn't like it's anybody. So we should not be on the floor voting. That is my point, and that's where I think we should be going. And with respect to Jim Jordan, I think Jim will make a, uh, actually a tremendous speaker. He will be a very good uh, person to represent House Republicans to do the job on, be on behalf of the American people. So there you guys go. Uh, Kevin McCarthy, instead of having people continuously revote, should have said, OK, we're calling the recess or we're going to adjourn for the day and we're going to go ahead and get down to uh, the bottom of these issues. We're going to try to unite. That's what a real leader would have done. He would have said, like, OK, let's come all together. Let's talk amongst ourselves. Let's try to reach an agreement here. Let's go back and be united. And when we have the votes, then we will conduct this. But no, Kevin McCarthy just just like during the midterms, is only worried about his himself, is only worried about getting himself into a leadership position. And again, I continuously go back to and say that what happened today is a good thing because people are asking the question as well. Charlie Kirk uh, posed this question today too. He said, okay, well, what's the end goal of this? What is the end goal of not getting McCarthy into the speakership? What happens if a Democrat ends up getting that role? Blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, we're holding up progress potentially. What is the end goal of this? I'm not sure what the end goal is. I'm not. I'll be quite honest with you here. I'm kind of just watching and analyzing everything that happens. But why I do think that what happened today was a good thing was because it sent a very strong message to rhinos like Kevin McCarthy that the American people are going to be heard, that we do have representation in Congress now, that we are no longer longer the people to be ruled over. We are the constituents that are in charge. The politicians do not rule over us. They work for us. Okay. We are the boss, not them. And when the American people say we like Donald Trump, we should be allowed to question the legitimacy of our elections. We don't think he should have stepped down. We don't think that January 6th was his fault. And Kevin McCarthy pushes back against all of that. You saw how I opened the show. He's wearing the Ukraine lapel, uh, flag pin and he has the ukraine flag in his pocket and to be quite honest with you that mirrors this imagery to me what what is the difference there and i keep bringing this up again and again because we've already sent a hundred billion dollars to ukraine at this point when are the issues that are actually affecting the American people going to be brought to the forefront? When are we going to stop sending money to Ukraine? We have sent them more than enough and they need to figure out their own, their own issues to be quite honest with you. Now, Kevin McCarthy, Mitch McConnell have been in leadership roles for quite a while and the Ukraine issue has very well exposed what they are prioritizing as 
top issues. Uh, Mitch McConnell said it straight out. Let's go ahead and listen here. Uh, Based on Kevin McCarthy's love of Ukraine and support for Ukraine, I kind of think that he probably aligns with the same thinking. Listen. Making sure the Defense Department can deal with the major threats coming from Russia and China, providing assistance for the Ukrainians to defeat the Russians. That's the number one priority for the United States right now, according to most Republicans. That's sort of how we see the challenges confronting uh, the country at the moment. Okay, so Mitch McConnell said that the uh, Department of Defense needs to be focusing in on threats from China and Russia, and that's their number one priority is supporting Ukraine. Now, if the Department of Defense actually cared about protecting us from threats from Russia and China, TikTok wouldn't be infiltrating our entire country. And Forbes reporters, well, we're going to be getting to this here in a moment. Actually, let me just go ahead and pull it up for you now. Forbes reporters uh, wouldn't be getting spied on by the uh, Chinese tech TikTok app. If the Department of Defense was really legitimately worried about China and Russia as an issue, then they would actually start solving maybe, you know, border security, maybe sending our military down to the border to go secure that. I'm pretty sure that a lot of the fentanyl that's killing American citizens is coming from China. But no, instead of focusing on our own border, we're going to send $100 billion to go secure Ukraine's border because national security. That's how that works, guys. We're going to be getting into China here in a moment and how our Department of Defense and all of the organizations that have been put in place to to secure America, to protect our national security and our sovereignty are an absolute joke and a sham. Thomas Massey says $100 billion to Ukraine. Let's put that in perspective. That's more than $200 million this year from each congressional district. What could your congressman have done for your district with $200 million? How long will the kids in your district be paying interest on this debt? So we're funding the proxy war between Russia and Ukraine right now. Our taxpayer dollars are are going to Ukraine while inflation rates are killing the average American while we're being infiltrated by the Chinese every single day and we're being subverted internally. We'll be getting into all of that here in a moment. But yeah, let's just go go ahead and keep sending billions to a, a foreign country. Uh, Sagar and Genty says, per foreignassistant.gov with the additional $45 billion to Ukraine, the U.S. will now have given more to Ukraine in the span of one year than the combined amount of military aid to Afghanistan from 1946 to 2019. He says it also exceeds the entire military assistance budget given to Vietnam 1956 to 1975. Interesting. Seems like a large amount. And again, just to really drive the point home for you that we are dealing with record high inflation rates, that's still a thing that's happening to modern day Americans. We're dealing we're still dealing with homelessness, a drug crisis, Americans dying from fentanyl overdoses every single day, an open border, a crashing economy, grocery store shelves are still empty. Um, We're still dealing with that. But your America first, Kevin McCarthy, great leader, 
wants to simply, uh, you know, wear the Ukraine flag and maybe look into where the funds are going. He didn't say he was going to stop funding Ukraine. He was like, well, we'll just look into where, where the funds are going. Well, we'll accountability, accountability. Uh, this is what's happening to the average modern day American, by the way. This is for anybody out there who thinks that inflation is not real. This right here cost me $115 after tax. And even if you are going to come at me and say, oh yeah, toilet paper is really expensive. You take that $19.99 out and all of this right here is literally still $86 plus before taxes. I got like literally deodorant, flour, milk, juice, and like $86 just for this, not the toilet paper. So that's what the average American is dealing with. And that is why constituents are calling out Kevin McCarthy getting this leadership role so easily, because they want the leaders in power to understand that they have to start earning their positions. It's not going to be given to them anymore. The people are getting angry and they are not happy with how this country is being run. I believe it was in the Chip Roy video where he was talking about, I might've cut it out because it was actually a four minute clip, but Later on in that clip, he basically, you know, goes on to say, why would we keep doing the same thing over and over and over again when it's clear that our government is not actually going to help us? And you might argue the point that, well, Democrats have had a lot of power, blah, blah, blah. So we couldn't really do anything. I honestly think that our politicians have more power than we give them credit for. Now, one of the things that I'd like to point to is our southern border. Carrie Lake, when she was running for governor of Arizona, was saying that she was going to declare an invasion and she was going to secure the border because essentially, and we can all see it, the federal government has abandoned border states. The federal government has abandoned national security, our security, by allowing the border to remain open, by allowing criminals every single day. I was reading an article just yesterday about how um, a notorious gang leader I can't remember which Central American country he was from. I don't even have the article. I, I uh, deleted it from the script today because I was like, eh, it's not important. I'm not going to get to it. But just kidding. It is important. We have cartel leaders, gang leaders, violent criminals who are evading arrest in their own countries, fleeing to the United States, crossing our border very easily. Uh, luckily, that guy was found. I'll put the link down below so you guys can read that story for yourself. But that's what's happening every single day at our southern border. Going back to what I was talking about there, Tucker Carlson was talking to Greg Abbott about measures that he could take to secure the Texas border. And a lot of people will say, oh, well, Greg Abbott can't do much because the federal government is standing in his way. Abbott keeps on tweeting out, oh, I sent 10,000 illegal immigrants to Chicago, the sanctuary city. I sent another 13,000 illegal immigrants to Los Angeles because it's a sanctuary city. A good job, Greg Abbott. Instead of securing the Texas border and doing your job as our governor and making sure the Texas citizens are secure, because by the way, a Texas rancher uh, was just interviewed and put out footage of how her ranch is being swarmed by illegal aliens that are armed and she's fearful because her, these random potential criminals are on her property trying to break into her property, by the way, instead of Greg Abbott trying to secure our border and trying to utilize every single tactic he can for that because Carrie Lake was running on that. It was very popular. Why can't Greg Abbott instill those same exact tactics that Carrie Lake basically wrote out for him? Why does he refuse to do that? Why is it that Republicans are afraid to push back against the federal government that 
has completely abandoned the American people. The federal government does not care about the American people. The federal government is actively working against our sovereignty and our security. So why would you listen to a federal government that is labeling law-abiding American citizens as domestic terrorists if we don't go along with their official propaganda and narrative? Why wouldn't you say, you know what, I'm making a stand and we're closing the border. Let's start funding our own wall and let's start putting it up right now. Let's actually solve this issue here in Texas. I don't think that Greg Abbott is doing enough. And to be quite honest, maybe, you know, I should respect the law more and say, oh, well, you know, the federal government is really allowed to ignore the laws and not actually um you know, adhere to the Constitution and protecting the security of American citizens, they're allowed to break the law and completely ignore it. But we are not. We have to follow the law. No, we don't want that anymore. The American people want safety and security. And that's why we elected. And that is why we are happy and proud of the America First candidates who stood up today, the 20 Republicans who stood up and said, Kevin McCarthy, guess what? You're weak, you're pathetic, and you consistently shift. And you have voted with Democrats in the past. You have turned your back, your turncoat on Donald Trump when he needed support the most. So you, you clearly don't handle pressure very well. And you're going up against an, an extremely corrupt federal government that does not care about the will of the American people. People. You need a fighter for that. You need somebody with 2016 to 2020 Donald Trump energy, not modern day Donald Trump energy, 16 to 2020. All right. That's what we're looking for. We want a fighter. We want someone who's going to stand up or we want someone who's going to actually push back and make a change. So if you're uncomfortable about what happened today with uh, the speakership position, with Kevin McCarthy not being elected, uh, being voted out three times, good. Because guess what? People who obey the rules and the laws and quietly just sit there and watch the same horrific leaders continue to get into office and enact no change, that doesn't do anything. You know what does? People who push back, people who get loud and people who have their voices heard, like Matt Gates, like Chip Roy, by, like Byron Rogers, Anna Paulina Luna, all of these people. So again, are these politicians perfect? Absolutely not. But they are making a positive step in the right direction and standing for their constituents. And that is a hill I'm willing to die on because our government has gotten way out of hand and they think that they rule over us. But no, when it comes to my government, I'm a full Karen. Uh, yeah, I am the manager. OK, you work for me. All right. That is the attitude I want every single American to have about the government. No, no, no. The customer is always right. And I am the customer. I elected you to speak for me and lead. I'm the one in charge, not you. I guess that was a bad analogy saying that we're the customer. No, we're not the customer. We're in charge. We are the leaders that need to make the positive change in our country by electing the strong people who are actually going to push back. So good on Matt Gates. Good on every single congressman and woman today who made everyone in the United States uncomfortable by telling Kevin McCarthy, hey, guess what, bud? You're going to actually have to earn your position. We're not just going to give it to you willy-nilly because you've been soft before. And if you actually want that leadership position, you're going to have to come to the table. You're going to have to, uh, you know, maybe bend the knee to what we want a little bit because we're here to stand up for our constituents and what they want. So there you guys go. There's my rant on that. Uh, hopefully we can see some compromise from Kevin McCarthy. And uh, I'm happy to see that he and Ronna McDaniel have been sweating because their poor leadership has got us into this position. The poor leadership of our politicians and their blatant disregard for our lives, the American citizens who put them in charge. It's over. It's done. No, we're done with it. In 2023, America First is rising again and we are going to reconquer America. American youth has been conquered by the Chinese. Our culture has been 
conquered by LGBTQ and woke propaganda. America has been conquered by, yes, all of these other foreign interests who have come in and subverted us, okay? One of the easiest and best ways to destroy a nation without the use of war is by subverting and attacking their culture so that basically what is happening in modern-day America happens to that country, and it destroys itself from within. Case in point, Kamala Harris, best example of this, um, Kamala Harris still required COVID, COVID tests for anyone over two years old to participate in their Senate swearing-in photos today. Um, these are the exact type of people who should not be running our country because, number one, Kamala Harris is doing this to virtue signal. Number two, why do we want leaders who are living in fear? Okay, we all know Kamala Harris doesn't legit legitimately believe that she is at risk for COVID-19. She's wearing the mask. She's asking for the COVID testing as a virtue signal to her base. She does not legitimately believe that she is in danger. But if we did have officials who legitimately believed that they were in danger, why would we want fearful leaders leading us? What happened to strong men in society? What happened to strong leaders in society? Why are we a laughingstock internationally? Because we have no strength in our leadership. We are a weak country right now. The American Medical Association just came out and said that masculinity is a bad thing. Every single institution in the United States has been subverted with woke propaganda. We'll be getting into that here in a moment. Now, I, I wanted to play this clip for you guys as well, and I'm just going to kind of talk over it too. Um, John Fetterman was sworn in today as a U.S. senator. And let me just play this and, and narrate. Congratulations, Senator. Congratulations. So he's shaking hands with Kamala. And then his wife, Giselle, is standing next to Kamala. By the way, I just, this imagery is absolutely hilarious, okay? It looks like Giselle Fetterman is being sworn in as senator because John Fetterman is awkwardly off to the side. And then she ushers in the family. And the funniest part of this whole interaction, which is extremely awkward, is the fact that the literal Adams family of the modern day, the Fettermans, all got COVID tested, allegedly, to take this awkward photo shoot with Kamala Harris. And it's an absolute joke. Nice you think that Putin? Yeah. Three, two, one. The Chinese three, two, are seeing one. this and, three, and are quaking two, in their boots one. at this display of power? No, they're laughing at us. And one of the best examples of how we are being laughed at is um, one of these Russian advertisements that was put out over Christmas break. Now. I tried to put this into the actual um, video list and play it for you guys. But unfortunately for me, my Wi-Fi was being very slow. So you can just watch it on screen here. But Russia put out this advertisement over Christmas. And it is this little boy. And he has two gay dads. Let me see if I can just skip to that part. Okay, here's the part right here. So he has two gay dads. All right. And he's wearing girl clothes. He has girl toys. There's a bunch of books that say straight into gay LGBTQ plus modern studies, uh, how to destroy the traditional family. And this little boy rips off his girly headband and he looks sad. And then he starts praying and then he starts wishing to Santa for what? We don't know because there, there's no uh, narration in the actual video. But then Santa comes and then Santa leaves boy clothes for him, a soccer ball, boy shoes, a drum set, a cross, and a picture of a mother and father, okay? 
This is what Russia put out in response to where we are currently at in the West. And they're not wrong. So this is what, what foreign countries are foreign adversaries, mind you. Think of the United States of America. They see what we're doing to our children, and they're seeing that we're destroying our own country from within. I think it's in uh, Sun Tzu's Art of War, apologies if I just butchered that, where he says, don't destroy your enemy if he's destroying yourself. I don't know if that's actually in that book. I haven't read the whole thing. I might just be making that up off the top of my head. And, you know, maybe Abraham Lincoln or someone else said it, but I think it was from that book. Anyways, the point is, this is how Russia perceives us. This is how China perceives us. Uh, from Luke D. Pulford on Twitter, this image went viral on Weibo yesterday. And Weibo is a very popular Chinese app, and it's a picture of the G20 climate summit. And you have all of these countries like the UK, Japan, the United States, Germany, and they're like this giant scary hydra with all of these ugly heads on them. And then you have Russia and China that are having to fight against this horrific and corrupt beast. They're sitting on a bag of money. They look monstrous and disgusting. Apparently, this is an image that went viral on a Chinese social media app the other day. So this is what China and Russia think of the United States. And they're right to think that because that is essentially what the United States has become. That's why, to me, today was so inspiring seeing politicians actually make a stand for something, actually push back against what they are told they have to do. One of the reasons why I rail against the education system is because they're indoctrination factories, right? You go in, you're taught how to listen to authority, to obey, to not push back, to stay in this hive mind. You're taught a specific curriculum. You're taught the way things should be. And now in the modern day, you're, you're taught that Marxism and socialism are a beautiful thing uh, from the post-millennial Stanford proposes adding American to harmful language list. Now, this is where we're going to get into the subversion of America via the Chinese and how, as Mitch McConnell said, if the Department of Defense was really worried about the Chinese and the Russians coming in and attacking American national security, they would be focused in on things like the Confucius Institute or TikTok, which is actively spying on every single American every single day. But yeah, that app's just allowed to run rampant and the Chinese are allowed to spy on all of us unabated, unabetted, unabated. So Stanford proposing adding American to the harmful language list. And I did a little bit of digging into Stanford because I, I previously heard from Alex Jones about the controversial Confucius Institutes returning to U.S. schools under new names. Now, this article was published by VOA back in June of 2022. And to give you guys an idea of what the, con the Confucius Institute is, um, it was a controversial Beijing-backed language and cultural learning center, most of which were closed throughout the United States after being designated a foreign mission by the State Department, but they're now rebranding and reopening, according to a report by the National Association of Scholars. So there were 118 Confucius Institutes that once existed in the United States. 104 were closed as of June 21st, 2022, and four are in the process of shutting down. Of these, at least 28 have replaced their Confucius Institute with a similar program, and at least 58 have maintained close relationships with their former Confucius Institute partner. Now, you guys might think, okay, well, this is just the program that is, uh, you know, allowing students to learn about different cultures. Okay, well, let's look at the reality of this. Um, 
This is the part that I am looking for right here. VOA contacted Chinese embassy in Washington for more comment on rebranded Confucius Institutes, but did not receive a response. The Chinese state-owned Global Times published an article in October of 2021 citing the spokesperson of the Chinese embassy in Germany as saying, China firmly opposes the politicization of academic and cultural exchange activities. So uh, that was, sorry, relating more to that actual story. Here is the beef of what I wanted to get to. Critics say the Institute um, is an overseas propaganda machine for the Chinese Communist Party, as well as a tool to monitor and interfere with speeches and activities on campus. For example, in 2009, North Carolina State University canceled its plan to invite the Dalai Lama, the Tibetan spiritual leader, to speak on campus after objections by the Confucius Institute. Ten years later, in 2019, the U.S. Department of Defense announced it would not provide funding for universities hosting Confucius Institutes. The U.S. Department, State Department designated the Confucius Institute as a Chinese foreign mission in the United States, saying in August of 2020 that the Confucius Institute was designated um, as a foreign mission of the People's Republic of China. The opacity of this organization and its state-directed nature are the driving reasons behind this designations. So it's basically going in and talking about how the uh, Chinese government is coming in and basically uh, teaching our American citizens different ideals that are, again, subverting our own country. And going back to the original Stanford article that I just referenced about how Mary, maybe um, the word American is harmful, Stanford accepted $58 million in Chinese cash back in July of 2020. Interesting. Stanford also had a CCP-linked organization at their school. Interesting. They're now saying that the word American is harmful. Do you see how subversion works, guys? I don't know. Maybe I'm a crazy conspiracy theorist. I, I might be. But when I see things like this, um, basically a thread of New York Times staff talking about restructuring our language, where do these the average media reporter, where where is the average New York Times staffer coming from? They're coming from these prestigious and elite universities like Stanford. And what are they then putting into our media and interjecting into the public? Things like this. I remember debating with colleagues recently whether we should use pregnant people over pregnant women when working on a story about abortion. From Jessica Bennett, I had an experience recently where I used the word pro-life on a podcast then quickly corrected myself to anti-abortion, which is the current turn of phrase preferred by the left. John McWhorter. The term seems to date back only in the early 20th century as real estate lingo for the room slept in by the master of the house. It did not originate as the term for where slave masters slept, but that doesn't mean there can't be a discussion as to whether using it can now be taken to suggest that any way. Um, his discussion on whether the term master bedroom was racist or not. So this is what the reporters at these prestigious media outlets are interjecting into the public and these same reporters are being educated by prestigious universities such as Stanford, which has ties to the CCP. Now, if you guys want a crash course on subversion, it's actually not a crash course, it's an hour long video. 
Look up Yuri Bezmenov. He's a former KGB defector, and he talks about how you subvert an entire country. He says it takes decades because you have to target the youth, you have to target the next generation, and you have to re-educate them. And that is what is currently happening right now via TikTok. We know that this Chinese-owned app in the United States of America... Our citizens are fed absolute garbage, degeneracy, the body positivity movement, aka obesity is healthy. Uh, we are pushed that abortion is healthcare and that it's a beautiful thing. You see the TikToks of girls going and getting abortions and it's labeled as this beautiful thing. We see people like Dylan Mulvaney uh, pretending to be a girl and then going and meeting Joe Biden, the president of the United States. Uh, you see videos like this one where you have a biological male pretending to experience intense period pain uh, for his first time after being on hormone therapy. Um, even further, this article from Forbes came out about how TikTok spied on their journalists. They were trying to do an expose on TikTok and uh, then ByteDance that owned owns TikTok was looking into where these journalists were at, what data was on their phones. If they were talking to anybody within the ByteDance or TikTok companies that was leaking information. So we're currently being subverted by the Chinese, but yeah, Mitch McConnell, let's go ahead and keep sending money towards Ukraine because that's where the real issue lies. Uh, again, just to really drive that point home, this is from Desert News. Is there a difference between TikTok in the U.S. and China? A social media analyst compares it to opium and spinach. So again, on Chinese TikTok. Um, they are pushing patriotism, educational videos, mu museum exhibits, experiments you can do at home. Uh, in the United States, again, they're pushing this degeneracy and this instant gratification, horrific lifestyle that is basically the opposite of how you create and raise a healthy generation and a healthy society. So that is where we're currently at. Uh, to give you an example of where our society is at from the Federalist, heart failure kills body positivity activists at 37 years old. But we are constantly fed via TikTok and the next generation defends obesity now because they have been told that it it's really not that bad and we need to love everybody's bodies. Uh, keep in mind too, that on top of pushing a lot of these just horrific health and life decisions. Big Pharma is also profiting off of all of the people who are making these decisions. From the Daily Mail, Big Pharma's golden ticket sales of new weight loss shot made by Ellie Lilly, Eli Lilly, forecast to hit 50 billion this year, which would make it the best-selling drug of all time. And um, here's a little graphic of how the new weight loss shot works. So I, I want you guys to understand things, right? The Chinese are coming in and they're subverting the next generation. The next generation thinks that they're being loving and inclusive by accepting obesity and pos body positivity and transgenderism. When and, and in reality, big pharma is coming in, and instead of you know fixing the problems in our society, we now have these corporations profiting off of the issues that have been created by the Chinese and our own federal government. So there you guys go. Big pharma is now going to be profiting off of the. Uh, body positivity movement, $50 billion this year. Great job, the United States of America. Uh, another example of where we are currently at, um, here is a mother transitioning her, her son because he was sad about getting a haircut. Let's, let's watch. So apparently this mom took her son to Disney and took him for a haircut thinking that 
he wanted to be handsome to meet the princesses. I hope you realize this is actually how it is. Like, there's nothing permanent until they are an adult. Before that, it's just pronouns, clothes, puberty blockers to buy him a few years to meet with a therapist to make sure that, like, they're persistent and consistent. Um, but even that is not permanent. Okay, so sorry. I, uh, I, I got a little short there. But basically, takes her kid for a haircut, little boy. He looks all sad. And then she goes on to say that it was because little did they know that she was wanting to meet herself and meet her heroes, a.k.a. the princesses, because she wanted to be one of them. And then at the end of this video, this mother goes in to say, oh, well, we're just going to go ahead and do puberty blockers, which have, uh, you know, no known side effects. It's really not that big of an issue. Like, it's reversible. All verifiable lies, by the way. But that is what our society is being told. And then you have states like California that is now going to be a sanctuary state law for trans kids um, that is now taking effect on Sunday, a bill that designates California as a sanctuary for teens and children who want medicalized gender transitions went into effect. This is SB 107. Basically, uh, if your kid lives in a state where you push back against transgender surgery for kids, kids, um, genital mutilation for children, your child can be taken to or go flee to California and then they can go get that surgery in California. It's a sanctuary state for them and there's nothing that you can do about it as a parent. Now, Chloe Cole, who is a detransitioner and one of the loudest advocates against uh, SB 107 said, if I was born about five years earlier, I'd probably still have my breast. I would have been nothing more than a tomboy. And she goes and she really beautifully expose the realities of puberty blockers and what a double mastectomy does to a girl and how a lot of trans teens end up growing out of a lot of these feelings, but they're left with a body that is permanently mutilated. This is what is being taught to our kids via TikTok and our education system every single day. Let's listen to Chloe Cole to hear the realities of puberty blockers uh, because that mother on TikTok, severely misinformed. I was medically transitioned from ages 13 to 16. My parents took me to a therapist who affirmed my male identity. My endocrinologist, after two to three appointments, put me on puberty blockers and injectable testosterone. At age 15, I asked to remove my breasts. My therapist continued to affirm my transition. I attended a top surgery class that was filled with around 12 girls that thought were, they were men. Most were my age or younger. None of us were going to be men. We were fleeing from the uncomfortable feeling of becoming women. Despite having therapists and attending the top surgery class, I really didn't understand all the ramifications of any of the medical decisions I was making. I will never be able to breastfeed a child. I have blood clots in my urine. I am unable to fully empty my bladder. I do not yet know if I am capable of carrying a child to full term. In fact, even the doctors who put me on puberty blockers and testosterone do not know. SB 107 is circumventing state's laws and I've needed safeguards in place so my story is not repeated. Children cannot consent. Vote no on SB 107. So there you guys go. That's the reality of what was just passed in California. That's the reality of the subversion of our entire culture and how the next generation is being targeted and attacked by the Chinese and by all of this woke propaganda, by big pharma. To be quite honest with you, I do think that the entire transgender craze it was created by big pharma to profit off of your children and to create lifelong customers. 
because that is what a transgender person will have to be a lifelong customer of big pharma to continue to fix the issues that were created via their surgeries, to continue to fix the issues that were created because of the chemicals that they're injecting in their body as they try to stop the biology that they were born with. So that is what is currently going on in the United States of America on top of Marines being potentially told to stop using sir and ma'am to avoid misgendering superiors. This is what we're focused in on in this country. We're focused in on trans transing kids, not misgendering people, on sending $100 billion to Ukraine. This is why the American people are mad. And this is why they're demanding strong leadership, because our country has gotten so out of hand. Um, again, too, Home Depot co-founder says socialism killed the motivation to work. Nobody gives a damn. He goes on to talk about how he created his business in the 70s. And in the modern day, nobody wants to work. Ice-T actually put out a tweet earlier today. And he was like, stop complaining about the money that you don't have because you didn't work for it. And I was just like, wow, that's basically the entire counter to any leftist argument, because that's all they do. They complain about money that they don't have, that they didn't work for. And our generation, the next generations, Gen Z and millennials have been so coddled by their parents and by society that we now have women like this one charging $480 an hour to help Gen Z and millennial workers overcome their fear of talking on the phone because it's just so scary. So while Americans can't even talk on the phone because it's so scary, Russia and China are creating super soldier patriotic citizens that are going to defend their country and they aren't transing their kids. Now, let's talk about another big issue here in the United States that we're not allowed to talk about, but we're going to because uh, it's important. From Yahoo Sports, I'm sure many of you guys saw this last night. There was a game between the Bengals and the Bills, and Damar Hamlin, a 24-year-old player, had a yeah cardiac arrest on the field, and he is now in critical condition in a Cincinnati hospital after collapsing. Now, many people are asking the question, was he vaccinated with the COVID-19 vaccine? And they're being immediately shut down and told that they are horrific people for asking about somebody's vaccination status because nobody for the past two years was subjected to telling the entire world what their vaccination status was because we don't have the entire um World Health Organization trying to pass digital vaccine passports. Apparently, if you have any type of heart-related issue, it is off-limits to ask if somebody was vaccinated by the COVID-19 vaccination. From the Daily Loud as well, uh, Damar Hamlin's vitals are, were back to normal, and they put him to sleep with a breathing tube in his throat. Doctors will continue to run tests, and they'll keep us updated. This was last night after he collapsed from cardiac arrest. Now, people were saying that this was potentially commotio cordis. I'm not a doctor, so I apologize if I am butchering this, but this is what a lot of people were pointing to. Now, what commotio cordis refers to is the sudden arrhythmic death caused by a low or mild chest wall impact. Uh, Commotio cordis is seen mostly in athletes between the ages of 8 and 18 who are partaking in sports with projectiles such as baseball, hockey pucks, or lacrosse balls. So a lot of people immediately uh, pointed to this, basically saying that, you know, there was there was an impact on his chest because that's what happened. He got tackled, he fell down, he got back up, and then he immediately had cardiac arrest. Um, 
This comes from Chris Haddock, who says, as a physician, I believe DeMar Hamlin was likely suffering from commotio cordis, where a blow to the chest at a precise moment in the electrical cycle stops the heart. Those trying to tie this to vaccine status to project their unscientific beliefs are terrible, horrible people. So I am of the opinion, and I am not saying that what happened to Hamlin was directly related to the COVID vaccine, but I think that it is a legitimate question that people have, and it's a concern that people have, and people should be allowed to ask the question and know if this 24-year-old athlete, keep in mind that athletes are usually the creme de la creme of healthy people in society, you know, tip-top physical shape because they're, they're running around a field all day long, they're athletes. I think the American people should be able to know and ask the question as to whether or not he was COVID vaccinated if he just collapsed especially since Joe Biden just three days ago was encouraging all Americans to get the COVID vaccination for the new year. Especially since our entire government media and big pharma worked in tandem to cover up the inefficacy of the vaccine and cover up the side effects of it. By the way, uh, Dr. Robert Malone said, the key point here is that Camosia Cordis has known predisposing conditions. These should have been picked up by what are likely to be extremely well-trained sports med physicians. We can safely assume that those known preconditions were not present. Again, these are two different doctors with two different viewpoints on what happened to this athlete. I am not saying that what happened to him was specifically tied to the vaccine, but I'm saying that we should be allowed to ask the question, especially when this Experimental vaccination was forced on the American people for two years. Uh, Laura Loomer also points out the NFL might want to stop bragging about their 95% player vaccination rate and 100% personnel vaccination rate. Just saying maybe it's time for some class action lawsuits by pro athlete staff and their families. Um, she then goes on to say a lot of football players have taken blows to their chest. She says tonight was not normal. Collapsing, not breathing, and going into cardiac arrest at 24 years old is not normal. Why can't we talk about this uh, even further, too? We all know to look to the media and what they're demonizing as an example of what we should all be focused in on. Uh, Charlie Kirk asked the same question. Hey, could the vaccine have anything to do with this? Because we are seeing a lot of athletes collapse by suddenly. We're seeing irregular blood clotting from coroners. They're pulling them out of the dead bodies. We're seeing an uptick in miscarriages. Um, we have seen an uptick in deaths worldwide. You can go look at Australia and New Zealand and you can go look at their, their death rate in previous years versus when the vaccination came out and, and in the mo modern day death rate, it's a lot higher. And these are great countries to look at because they really did go into extreme lockdown and force vaccination on as much of the population as possible. So Charlie Kirk goes and asks the question, um, you know, about whether or not this NFL player was vaccinated and Newsweek branded him human garbage. So if you have a legitimate question about a vaccination that was forced onto the American public, and if you have legitimate questions about why we are seeing cardiac arrest in so many young individuals, you're human garbage. Rogan O'Hanley makes the very important point. Asking questions is what journalists do. It's what scientists do. It's what free people do. But banning questions is what tyrants do. And that is what is currently happening. Questions about why people are having so many heart-related issues are being banned.
The media is telling us it's because of climate change. It's because of steak, eggs, and butter. It's because of stress. It's because of sex. It's because of everything under the sun except for the one variable that we're not allowed to talk about. Now, there was another NFL player that, well, he wasn't affected, uh, I guess, by cardiac arrest. He died. Um, Former Jaguars guard Garland Uchi dies after collapsing at his wife's home. Now, the interesting thing about this article is that Fox News wrote the same one, but I'm using the NBC DFW, which is like a smaller local station, because in the Fox News article, they didn't put what he died of, but this small local NBC affiliate did. Uh, Apparently, he died on December 30th, 2022, after collapsing in his wife's home of a heart attack. So another former athlete, 38 years old, died of a heart attack. Uh, By the way, this is the same former NFL player who said, okay, so let's get these vaccine mandates and vaccine passports up and running ASAP. We're seeing children die daily from the unvaccinated selfishness. Pregnant women at risk to protect life, mandate the vaccine, jail anyone who refuses to protect life. So I think it's safe to say that he was vaccinated. And do I celebrate the death of this NFL player who was calling for people like myself to be jailed if we didn't get vaccinated? No, because the loss of life is horrific to me. And I refuse to stoop down to the level of celebrating the death and the attack on health of any individual who was coerced by our government and lied to by our government. Like, let's let's just, you know what? Not everybody is as strong-minded as we are, okay, in this audience. Not everybody has the ability to critically think. Some people genuinely do and were raised their entire lives to believe the science, to trust the media. They have not been taught anything else. And yeah, you might say, okay, they're an NPC, they deserve it. No, that's a human life. And that is why it's important for people like us to continually educate these people on the reality of what is going on because people are dying left and right from unknown causes. We saw an uptick in miscarriages. We saw an uptick in neurological disorders. I'm going to find this old video. I played it a while back of doctors. There was a big... uh, panel of doctors that went to Washington, D.C. and were talking about all of the upticks in neurological diseases and miscarriages and heart attacks that were happening that nobody was talking about. So another NFL player who is dealing with heart issues. Now, are we going to see any accountability or questioning regarding why we're seeing all of these health-related issues? Absolutely not. No, we're not. And I did make the point because I posted that tweet on my Instagram um, that I put up earlier where I was basically saying, I didn't put it up on screen for you guys that are watching, but I basically said, it's not wrong to question if this healthy 24-year-old was vaccinated because we've been lied to by our government. We've been lied to by our media. media. Big Pharma made billions off of us being the guinea pig and the American people suffered because of it. So it's, it's, it's fair to question that. I put that up on my Instagram and a lot of people were upset because they felt that I was trying to make an example or, or like sacrifice this poor NFL star, the, the one that just suffered cardiac arrest last night on the altar of being right. 
And again, absolutely not. I do not celebrate anybody's death. But I also did make the point that even if this was vaccine related, I doubt that they would ever tell the public that. I do not think that we would know the truth about it. Because if we did, that would open up a lot of problems, not only for the big pharma companies, which, by the way, really don't have any uh, liability when it comes to their product hurting people. But for the NFL, who forced this vaccination on their players, it would open up a lot of problems. So do you think that if this player really did suffer cardiac arrest because of his vaccination status, we would know the truth about it? No. And that is the problem with modern day society today. No one's allowed to ask questions. We're shut down. And then we don't trust the media, our government, or the big pharma executives that are profiting off of all of us. That is why there's so many conspiracy theories about vaccines. So if you're mad at the people who are immediately asking about his vaccination status, understand how we got to this point because of our government uh, and people like Dr. Fauci, by the when way. When people are vaccinated, they can feel safe that they are not going to get infected. Wait, I'm sorry. That was such a quick clip. Dr. Fauci, can you say that again for me? When people are vaccinated, they can feel safe that they are not going to get infected. Oh, right. It's that same safe and effective rhetoric that we kept hearing time and time again. Uh, but you know what we really didn't hear from our media? Uh, like the FDA quietly during June of 2021, updating the Moderna and Pfizer uh, fact sheets to say that, yeah, there is an increased risk of myocarditis, inflammation of the heart muscle, and pericarditis, inflammation of the tissue surrounding the heart following vaccination to the YouTube sensors. This is directly from the FDA website. So uh, there you guys go. The warning in the fact sheet for healthcare providers administering vaccines notes that reports of adverse events suggested increased risk risk of myocarditis and pericarditis, particularly following the second dose and with onset of symptoms within a few days after vaccination. That's the FDA for you. But is Dr. Fauci going to be held accountable for his lies about safe, safe and effective? No. Let's also remember that Florida Surgeon General put out his own study about how uh, the COVID-19 mRNA vaccines showed an increased risk of cardiac-related death among men 18 to 39. Now, my favorite part about this study as well, because uh, this is from back in October of last year, is that if you try to look it up on Google, all of these articles fact-checking this and trying to debunk it as a, a not-credible article or a not-credible analysis, they're all platformed at the top of Google. It's, it's, it's difficult to even find the actual analysis yourself. It's basically articles, not citing the study, but just saying, well, it wasn't peer reviewed by big pharma, you know, doctors. So like, it's just not credible. And who is this guy? Like, he's not credentialed. He's not, he's not one of us. Who is he to dictate what truth is? That, that, that's our job. That's our job. Dr. Simone Gold posted this today. The physician misinformation bill, which has just gone into effect as law in California, prevents doctors from sharing the risks associated with mRNA experimental vaccines. In other words, doctors could have their medical license revoked for telling the truth. And I'm reading through this uh, bill. And if you get to Section E, it says major news outlets have reported that some of the most dangerous propagators of inaccurate information regarding the COVID-19 vaccines are licensed healthcare professionals. So in this bill that was passed as law in California, they're citing the mainstream media saying that credible doctors who have spent their lives working on heart disease, heart-related issues, working on vaccines like Dr. Robert Malone, who is one of the creators of the mRNA technology, Dr. Peter McCullough, who has been a cardiologist for decades. This bill says 
that the news said that they're propagators of inaccurate information. So we're not going to allow doctors to, to say what they think anymore. Absolutely not. That's California for you. And that's the modern day. Now, the vaccine is so ineffective lately that even Bill Gates is having issue responding to some of the side effects. Now, this is an older video, and I cut out a big chunk of it because the majority of the video is Bill Gates mumbling and stumbling over his words because he cannot justify all of the horrific side effects that people are now experiencing on behalf of the vaccine that he pushed. Listen. The side effects for the Moderna vaccine sound concerning. We looked. After the second dose, at least 80% of participants experienced a systemic side effect, ranging from severe chills to fevers. You know, the, it, the, 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 the side effects were not super severe. That is, it didn't cause permanent health problems for uh, the things there. They, you know, Moderna did have to go with a fairly high dose. Um, it's great that we have multiple of them uh, that but are Bill, going out there. And, and yes, I you, think- You know the data the better than I do. But the bill, bill the, the data showed that everybody with a high dose had a, a side effect. Yeah, but some of that is is not dramatic where, you know, it's just, you know, super painful. But yes, there we need to make sure there's not severe side effects. The FDA, uh, I, I, I think, will do a good job of that. So you can just tell by the body language here and by his presentation and defense of this specific topic that he doesn't seem very secure in what he's saying. He doesn't seem very confident in the product and the effect that it has had. Hmm. But we're not allowed to question why athletes are collapsing. It's just, we're just going to chop it up to, you know, it got hit in the heart. It happens all the time. It's happened for decades, guys. Come on. You guys didn't see this happening five years ago all the time. Well, it's just because you weren't paying attention. By the way, uh, the Washington Post decided to report the truth for the first time in their life. Uh, granted, it's about two years late. They put this out over winter break. Regular exercise protects against fatal COVID. A new study shows the study found that increase in almost any amount reduced people's risk for a severe coronavirus infection. It's crazy to me, guys. It's just so crazy to me how uh, the media two years later is now finally reporting that exercise is good for you while simultaneously during 2020 were justifying and saying that gyms being shut down but bars being open were a good thing. Yeah, okay. That's why the American people don't trust the media. That is why the American people are pushing back and that is why they want strong leaders who are going to actually hold the establishment responsible. Whether that is the establishment media, the corrupt government, the big pharma straight up evil geniuses that are profiting off of all of the problems that they created. I, I mean, I realize that, you know, what our government does is they create problems so that they can fund the solution to those problems, but the funding never actually fixes the solution. It exacerbates the problem because if you fix a problem, you can't continue to fund the solution. AKA Ukraine, Russia, but that's none of my, that's none of my business. Anyways, guys, Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Rapid Fire. I appreciate each and every one of you. Again, big shout out to our sponsors for the show, Old Country Soap. Go use coupon code SAV. That is SAV. That's my name. 
for 20% off of your order. Go check it out. Leave me a comment down below about what you think about the product. And uh, let me know what you thought about what happened today in Congress, what you think about Kevin McCarthy, what do you think the ultimate goal of these 20 Republicans is, and uh, if you agree or disagree with what they're doing. Let me know down below. I want to hear your thoughts on this, and I want to hear your thoughts on where the country is headed. I have a more positive outlook on the state of America after today. I really do. Because even if McCarthy does become speaker, I do think that this sent a very strong message to him. Granted, I would love to have Jim Jordan be speaker, but he already point blank said he doesn't want it. So we'll see what happens. But the message was sent. We have fighters in Congress, and I think that's very, very important. Also, remember too, guys, if you like listening to the show, maybe you don't love YouTube, you can always find it on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, anywhere podcasts are streamed. Go leave me a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. If you like the show, I read every single one, and it helps us grow in the charts. Go check out my website, savsaysofficial.com. I also write articles as well on top of doing the show and doing the street reporting. All my articles can be found on my website. I write for the Post Millennial, so go check it out. It's a lot of fun. I have all the articles there. And... Uh, yeah, thank you guys so much for tuning in to another episode. I'm feeling more confident about the state of our country for 2023. And I really do thoroughly enjoy getting to educate my fellow Americans on what is going on and platform your voices. Leave me a comment down below as to what you think I should be focused in on for 2023. What stories do you guys want to see covered? What do the American people think needs to be heard? Let me know down below. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Rapid Fire. My name is Savannah Hernandez, and I appreciate you all very deeply. And I'll see you guys next time. Next time.